0: This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast with Alex Milsom and Shivani Darve. Hello and welcome back to the Virgin Radio Pridecast with me, Alex Milsom.
1: And me, Shivani Darve.
0: You probably know this by now, but each week we're going to be trawling back through the Virgin Radio Pride archives, looking back at some of the most iconic moments of our free month pop-up radio station.
1: And most importantly, attempting to continue the conversations which we started over the summer.
0: Now... I don't think I've ever seen Shivani as excited as I'm currently seeing them. And I think this might be because with the final of season three of Drag Race UK fast approaching, we're talking about drag this week.
1: And not only that, we have the victorious Scone coming on the show to chat to us.
0: It's a bit weird, by the way. You might notice that Shivani is sounding ever so slightly different. This is because Shivani has...
1: COVID. COVID. It's true. I do. It's, and I feel I, really embarrassed about it.
0: I know. Is it not really cringe to have COVID at this point? Like, you've had not had it the two years that we've had it going on. And now, all of a sudden, now.
1: I know. I mean, people are going to think that I don't wash my hands, but I promise I do. I have no idea how I got it. I've been double vaccinated. I wear my mask. I wash my hands. I try and sit away from the people on the train who, who, don't wear masks and <laughs> I look avoid like got crowded COVID. places. <laughs> I, I try and avoid people who look like they've got COVID and <laughs> I've got it somehow. I know what it was.
0: Um, you didn't sing happy birthday as you were washing your hands.
1: No, maybe that is it. Maybe I didn't sing happy birthday. After two years of singing happy birthday, though, it got a bit tiring.
0: Oh, it's two years. Well, here we are. Let's talk, sing as we've got Victoria Scone on this week. Let's talk all things Drag Race UK. Have you been watching the series?
1: I have been. I'm absolutely loving it. Elle of a Day is my my one horse in the running who I want to win.
0: I feel very naughty, but I've been very busy. I've not managed to watch much of the series. I really haven't. I feel like I'm cheating on um, on Drag Race. I am
1: shocked. I am gagged. I am gooped. <laughs> gooped. The gall, the audacity. <laughs>
0: I'm just a traitor to the cause, but it's okay. I have been kind of catching up. And also I did did enjoy loads and loads of stuff just all over Twitter. You know, just all the memes. It's sort of like, um, you know, when someone tells you about what happened at a party and you didn't really know what, you weren't at the party and you just got to guess what happened. And the references, I don't know what people are saying, but everyone looked like they're having a great time. And isn't that what we want?
1: I mean, it does seem like a pretty good season this year. Everyone seems to be really nice and supportive of each other this year. Like, they all seem like friends, you know? Sometimes it's, like, drama from the real world before they get into the drag race world. But this time, it sort of seems like they're actually just, like, hanging out and chilling. And there was a little bit of drama, I think, in, like, the first or second episode. And then it sort of got really quickly resolved and everyone's been super mature about it.
0: I think everyone was just happy to be doing drag, to be honest. You know? Yeah. Well, of course, we wouldn't be talking about any of this without one person who arguably, has done more for drag than anyone else.
1: We are, of course, talking about the icon that is RuPaul Charles.
0: Have a listen to this clip of Drag Race royalty Latrice Royale talking to her Death Drop co-star Gareth Joyner, aka Myra Dubois, about why RuPaul is her LGBTQ plus icon.
2: Who is your ultimate gay icon? Um, I, I, It's kind of cliche, is but it is, I love RuPaul. Oh really? Yeah, no. This just changed the world.
3: And that has nothing to do with any contracts to world. No, home, think, right? hell no, no. <laughs> I have
2: no binds, nothing to do with it. I can confirm order. there's
3: no one holding no, anything. No, it's the just
2: you know, it's just really the uh, the fact that all that she's done through uh, Drag Race mm-hmm. and really putting us on a platform that is a viable. Um, career and people take us serious and we are making money and buying homes and we Mm -hmm. you know uh, we have security in our lives and 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 it has put it on a global scale where there's drag brunches Everywhere. Oh, oh, my God. The world. Yeah. You know, and so... Um, RuPaul has made many straight white girls happy. Really has. <laughs> and so, like, you know, it's kind of cliche, but, like, if you're talking about gay icon and change the the entire world and personally my life, mm-hmm. that is the person.
0: guess it kind of is true that RuPaul, in a way, you know, through drag and bring it into the mainstay, RuPaul kind of has changed the world?
1: Yeah, in a way. <laughs> but I think... Drag is so much bigger than one person and Mm -hmm. RuPaul's lens of drag, at least through the show of RuPaul's Drag Race, whether that's Canada or US or UK or Australia or whatever, they're all kind of looking for the same sorts of drag artists. Mm -hmm. And drag as an art form is so much bigger and there are so many other people who deserve the credit for the rest of the art forms of drag being sort of so championed now but i i do get your point that rupaul has sort of made this incredible tv show and really sort of blown up the drag scene as we know it
0: yeah it's it's true like it's not just about the drag that you see on the telly it's about the drag that you kind of see on a night out. I remember when they were announcing RuPaul's Drag Race UK the first time round. They were saying, "Is it going to be, you know, representative of, of all the all the echelons of drag? You know, like the the ones the the perfect, like pretty looking ones, versus the ones that are, you know, that iconically British form of drag? I don't even know if such thing exists, but it's it, it was. Is it going to represent all aspects of the art form, or is it just going to be?" one specific niche kind of American follow-over?
1: Well, I I think, like, I go to a lot of East London drags because I live in East London, so I see a lot of the scene there and it is so not what RuPaul puts on TV. And I (laughs) I know it's not RuPaul, there's, like, casting people and producers and all sorts of people, and there's there's a whole lot of people that make the show seem the way it
0: is. This is a bit controversial to say, but do you think sometimes it might be that drags kind of become a bit of a commercial commodity, a commercialised entity?
1: I think in a way, you know, sort of how Pride Parades, there's always that argument that they're being pink washed by mm-hmm. banks and yeah. accountancy firms and stuff sort of sticking rainbows over their logos and things. I think in a way, the Drag Race TV franchise essentially is sort of pink washing drag. It's sort of saying like, these are the forms of drag that are acceptable and if we like the kind of way that you can fit into our idea of what drag is we will throw loads and loads of money at you. But if you don't fit into this, like very sort of narrow idea of what we think drag is, you're not allowed to get all of this fame and success and money and whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. That whole aspect of it, it being important, you know, Latrice says in that clip about the importance of creating that security and that, you know, although we're going back to the RuPaul point, creating that security that, you know, drag is now an, a business form. It's no longer a hobby that's done on the side. It's actually, you know, something that you can live off of and live off, in some cases, luxuriously and, and actually have a life from it.
1: And that's so good in some ways. You know, mm-hmm. if people can use their art to make money. I think that is great. But, you know, the people who I'm thinking of who have sort of had to dampen their art form to try and appeal to people is sort of like what Myra mentioned, where where Myra was sort of joking about how only straight white girls enjoy going to drag brunches. And the the artists who I've seen perform to try and like make their money, they do end up performing at drag brunches and they do very much change their art form to, you know, more of a strippery type thing rather than the sort of boundary pushing stuff that they were doing in, in the basement of the glory. Although it's quite nice to see that everyone can enjoy drag.
0: Yes. And like, you know, maybe
1: through, maybe through drag race, they go to a drag brunch, get a bit mm-hmm. boozed up. I'm all for that. <laughs> like, don't operate any heavy machinery afterwards. Um, <laughs> but I'm all for that. Live your best life. Have a good time. And then that might mean that they sort of see somebody that they like and they think, oh, actually, I really like that rather than what we do. As LGBTQ plus people, I think a lot of the time if we're into drag, we will go to queer venues and then see artists that we like, follow them on Instagram and then say, oh, well, they're going to perform at this brunch and I like getting really drunk on a Saturday morning. So let's go to that. I think it works in reverse as well, where you get people who who watch Drag Race, then go to the drag brunch and then they think, oh, well, I'll follow that person on on Instagram and then they might see, oh, that person's performing at this. Club that I've never heard of. Let me go there and check that out. See what that's all about. This is which true. Is, which is great. But then I think we're in another whole wormhole thing. And that's why this podcast is so good because there's always like <laughs> one one problem and solution like makes another ten problems. But that's then like we can talk about sort of how LGBTQ plus like spaces and and venues start getting co opted by straight people and are no longer safe spaces. And it's I don't know. Brief, is it good? Brief, is it bad? Brief. Is there is there an answer? Ah. <laughs>
0: But what, what, like, regardless of all of that, even if we're going back to RuPaul, RuPaul has created a way of bringing drag into the mainstream.
1: Yeah, for sure. And one of the more recent drag icons to emerge is the legend that is Bimini Bombolash, who I did actually see in an East London drag show one time. But uh, now <laughs> they are. That's just you know. It's, Do you well, want to pick so up I've
0: the got- name you dropped?
1: they've now taken the world by storm since appearing on season two of drag race uk earlier this year
0: and they also appeared on our wonderful station virgin radio pride speaking to matt horton on my pride playlist about how they first got into drag here have a listen
4: i didn't really start doing drag until 2017 but i moved to london in and yeah 2012 and i started going out in soho and that's when i started seeing all of these kind of gender defying people and being like wow like this is incredible and i remember going out in like you know like a cheap dress and a cheap wig and felt the fantasy but it wasn't really i wasn't bimini then i was kind of just going out having fun and meeting people and a lot of my friends were doing drag to a different level than what i was they were doing it way better than me and I was just going to have fun. And then I went traveling and came back in, in 2017. That's when I started to actually go out and perform. Mm. But it was like the scene I didn't really, there wasn't really much of a big drag scene in Norwich from what from when I was there. I moved to London when I was 18, but there is a massive scene there now, which is amazing. I'm seeing it kind of flourishing and it's a shame with COVID it kind of hit. But back in Norwich, um, there's people doing things, which is amazing.
3: So when you decide, you decide, all right, I'm going to do drag. I'm going to give this a go. Mm-hmm. What happens? Do you, you sort of put yourself out to different nights and say, oh, I'm this new new drag queen, I'd love to appear on your bill? Yeah. How does it work?
4: It's kind of... So it was very like I would go out in East London and see people on stage, and I'd be like, I can do that. <laughs> I want to do that. So um, I I entered a lip sync competition at the Glory in 2017. It was the first time I'd ever performed on stage. And I did like it was kind of a politically charged number. And it was a lot of fun. And I got into the final. And it kind of happened from then. I spent a good bit, I'd say a good year, me and my drag sister Barb, we spent a a good year just being kind of messy festival goers and like we were doing it all for free. No one was really like booking us to be serious. And then something, I don't know what it was. It was towards the end of 2018. I was like, okay, I want to actually put more effort into this and see it as more of a viable career option. And that's in 2019 is when I went full time doing it.
1: Bimini, like, absolutely rocking the mainstream stage for being non-binary as well. Like, just Mm -hmm. that conversation that they had on Drag Race about being non-binary and what that means and has made things so much easier for me being non-binary as well. Just sort of, I can say, well, just watch this clip if you don't get it. Just watch this and then please don't ask me any further questions. (laughs) I I think it's so cool because they talk about you know the first attraction to drag because it plays with gender and I think that really um that really got me as well I um I do drag but not to the level that Bimini does drag um and when I was sort of thinking about gender at the very beginning of my understanding of being non-binary I was doing drag that's sort of how I started doing drag and um it was like a really good way to explore that and to try and work out what labels fit right for me when it comes to like boy or girl.
0: That was a pretty big moment seeing Jenny Lemon yeah, and Bimini yeah. just openly on national TV talking honestly about something that I'll be honest I, I didn't fully understand at that point as well and just seeing that in a really really open no holds barred way was emotional it was it was a really big moment
1: and i think bimini being like such an icon after you know really taking the world by storm and still so vocally advocating for like Mm non-binary and trans people is so important because you could argue that they've sort of succeeded now and they can just sort of like go off and and do their gigs and earn loads of money and that's great for them but Actually, they're still so embedded in their community, which is so powerful, I think.
0: It's impressive, isn't it? They've got their, you know, magazine covers and they've got their impressive, impressive following. They've got their book, they've got their modelling deal. And yet here they are still pushing the, you know, even from the first drag performance, you know, back in... it was The first one wasn't in the glory, but um, back in the days of the glory and that competition and being there, being political pushing for non-binary people back at day zero and there they are still pushing it onto exactly. national tv it's impressive absolutely isn't it?
1: love it absolutely love it but it is also possible to become successful in drag without appearing on drag race i know i know it sounds like it wouldn't be the case
0: you're having a laugh surely uh no of course not someone who did just that is dj Jody harsh and she also seems to agree that drag is getting more and more progressive here another clip have a listen
3: were there were a lot of difficulties you faced you know getting into the scene and really trying to make a name for yourself well yes definitely doors have always sort of not exactly been wide open for me um but drag culture in in general i wouldn't co- complain about that or anything i mean that just that's just where so- society has been you know i'm i'm sort of like not not really moaning about that and like people like me who are a little bit dis- a little bit disruptive it's sort of our job to come in and like kick those doors down anyway. So I'm not like, poor me, like, you know, I mean, here I am talking on the radio, do you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like clearly things have moved on. Um And I think things like drag race have been really um instrumental in, in pushing the conversation forward and sort of for, for drag and queer culture to be um so out there and, and visible Um because like drag as an art form is, amazing and and you know there are so many queer artists in the charts i mean look at the top top 10 i mean it's, it's just of like of gays <laughs> really it's amazing it's which is amazing yeah. jody speaks
1: there about drag becoming more mainstream and accessible which is brilliant but is it also becoming more inclusive of different gender identities
0: in a minute we're going to be asking that very question with the help of some fabulous guests from matt cain's sunday roast
1: and I can't quite contain my excitement about this. The one, the only victorious going will be joining us
5: for a chat.
0: First, though, here's Daryl with your Virgin Radio Pride weekly update.
5: Thank you. Well, first this week, it was the MTV EMAs in Budapest on Sunday. Ed Sheeran took home two major wins for Best Song for Bad Habits and Best Artist. All the stars came together to celebrate the LGBT community at the event. Years and Years singer Ollie Alexander says it's important for him to be open about who he is.
3: I always love to come to a place and and be really visibly queer, you know, especially when maybe it's not so common in in, in wherever you are, because I feel like it's just important to like fly that flag and, you know, spread the message that it's okay to be whoever you are
5: now, people living with HIV could soon move away from a daily pill regime as a new long-lasting injectable has been approved for use by the NHS. It's been given the go-ahead to roll out injections taken every two months to manage the virus. Right now, people living with HIV are offered antiviral medicines that must be taken every day to suppress it. And finally for this week, some great news for Britney fans. She's again thanked them, saying the Free Britney movement saved her life after her 13-year conservatorship finally came to an end. The singers posted a lengthy statement on her Instagram with a caption suggesting she'll set things square on Oprah. My voice was muted and threatened for so long. I wasn't able to speak up or say anything. And because of you guys and the awareness of kind of knowing what was going on and delivering that news to the public for so long, you gave it awareness um, to all of them. That's it for this week. I'll have more next week. Thanks, Daryl.
0: Now, as we've heard, drag does seem to be becoming more and more progressive. There are, however, some people who say this progression hasn't quite gone far enough.
1: And some might even go as far as saying that drag, when done in the wrong way, can be misogynistic.
0: That's exactly the question which Matt Kane posed to his panel of drag queen, vinegar strokes, and Clemmie Moody, who is assistant editor at The Sun, on the Sunday roast on Virgin Radio Pride.
6: For me, as um, and I agree with the fact that drag is is definitely an element of loving yourself. But for me personally, it's all about it's also um loving loving women as well. And I and I find that my drag is so inspired by working class women, especially like my mum is, is a massive inspiration for for my drag and what I say, what I do, um, and other kind of like working class heroes that I that I've seen on TV, whatever that like inspired me growing up. So I think there is a kind of thing where if drag can really um champion women and champion um you know women as a whole i think that's 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 a great thing like drag can do
3: okay let's ask the woman in the room yes (laughs) Claire, have you uh, so vinegar is saying drag is a celebration of women have you ever watched drag when you have thought it's gone from being a celebration to making a mockery of women
1: well, no, I think if you, if you, especially sort of ten years ago, I think it's it's modernised so much, and there is so much warmth now. I think ten years ago it, it wasn't a bit more catty and bitey, mm. but that's what you expected, and it's it's all said in good humour, and you shouldn't really get offended. I don't think I've ever, you know, I don't get offended that easily, apart from on Twitter. Um, and and no, I. I I don't think so.
6: All right. Well, you, well, go on, I was going to ask Benny a question, but Vinegar's ready to go. <laughs> Took it in breath. Um, I just, I, I think it does come down to s- someone being quite skilled at being able to roast the room. Okay. I think, I think you can't just be someone who's just put, put a wig on for five minutes ago and gone, well, Right, I'm going to, I'm going to have a go and, and see what happens. I think you have to be quite skilled at reading a room and knowing how to create a tone in what you're saying. So, so, so you're not offensive. Cause I, I've seen dra- drag queens be very offensive to women. And actually, I think that it can feel the chill in the room, as it were. So
1: is that something that you've thought of, Alex? You know, when watching drag, do you think it could ever be offensive towards women?
0: I did have this conversation, and it was actually at the Glory, when there was this... Uh, I can't... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm really bad at remembering details because I had had quite a few uh, drinks at this point. It's like every other Saturday. And I think it was just this presentation of... Uh, I
1: hope you weren't operating heavy machinery. No, actually.
0: heavy machinery was being operated. <laughs> it was the way that this drag kind of persona of a woman was, uh, like, just pulling off dresses after dresses after dresses and being, like, ditzy on stage. And I did actually kind of just kind of go, isn't that just a little pinch of myself is isn't that just a wee bit sexist? Is it not kind of making a mockery of, of, of women and saying that uh, to be on stage and to present yourself as a woman you have to be ditzy and wear loads of dresses. In the same way, you know, those stereotypical representations of gay men were, oh, you've got to be flamboyant, your wrist has to be bent. I say that as my wrist is bent right now on camera. But uh, it kind of just turned into, is that all that this representation of a, a woman was? But as the night went on and the drinks became heavy, I realised actually it wasn't uh, a mockery. It was, you know, a sort of celebration in a way.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, when done with the right intentions and the right way of sort of like coming up with the art that you're going to perform, I think it is meant to be a celebration and and an appreciation and sort of saying like, we know that these are the stereotypes and we're going to laugh at the stereotypes because we know that it's so much more than than a dress that makes a woman.
0: But what if the drag queen in question is not played by a gay man?
1: What? What?
0: It happens.
1: Yes, this season of Drag Race UK saw the first ever queen to be portrayed by a cisgender woman at the time of recording.
0: We are, of course, talking about the one and only Victoria Scott, and we're delighted to say that Victoria is joining us now for a chin wag.
1: Hey, hey, Victoria. Hello. <laughs> How are I you? Think I'm. I'm. I've actually got COVID. I was going to say I'm great, but. Um, <laughs> I've actually got... That's why I'm recording remotely. I'm at home at the moment. But we've been having a bit of a fight over WhatsApp, Mm -hmm. over whether or not it's pronounced Victoria Scone or Victoria Scone. Mm.
7: Well, the whole pun is that uh, where's Victoria, Victoria Scone? So Alex was right. (laughs) But I'm, as they say, I'm versatile. So, you know, (laughs) I will take (laughs) more as a very valid name. Uh, I even say Scone myself sometimes because... I think scone can sound a bit posher, and I don't
0: know. I I do have to ask you, you know, what was it like competing on the show? I loved
7: it. I loved every minute. It's perfect for me because I love competitions, and I'm a massive narcissist. So really, it's the perfect environment for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And compete against how many other narcissists? 12? No, 11 other narcissists. That must have been fun. (laughs)
7: Yeah. Yeah. It's basically who's the biggest narcissist. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
1: So Alexa, like I mean. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get some angry letters from the other queens now saying oh, i'm not a narcissist well actually i am but you're not allowed to say it
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean so drag is something that we've we've sort of had as part of our culture as lgbtq plus people for decades and it sort of burst into the mainstream what was the process for you in terms of discovering your drag identity
7: mm, well i i love traditional old school, bastard drag, as we call it, like proper skanky old wig wigs, sing, like singing in a corner of a bar, I will survive until 2am. That's my kind of drag, like Blackpool drag, Brum drag. Um So that's, I started drag off before we had drag race in the UK. Um So, you know, I didn't start drag with the intention of going on Drag Race. Not that that's a bad thing at all, but that wasn't my intention. I just, um, I think I was just born a drag queen and very naturally fell into it. I'm like theatre trained um, and failed at that. So the next natural (laughs) thing to do is to be a drag queen, really. (laughs) It seems to be the path of many.
1: (laughs) But why did you choose queen over drag king?
7: Um, I I, I just couldn't really imagine myself as a king it it just happened very naturally I don't even think it was a thought process um it wasn't even something that came to my mind I've dabbled in king makeup I'm very attractive as a man which is actually I I believe that my drag king name is very obvious it's Victor Stone
1: nice (laughs) nice so you know you've got you've got room for expansion of the empire exactly
7: I could do Victor Victoria
1: the tour I would I would definitely come to that Front row tickets please <laughs> So like Who were your inspirations? Um, like Widow Twankey
7: From Pantos um, Like Lily Savage uh, Drag queen from Cardiff Well I think they call themselves Like a female impersonator proper old school uh, Kerry Dupree Barbara Streisand Patti LuPone Shirley Bassey People like that Big Brassy
0: people
1: <laughs> I love it
0: It's changed over time though Do you think that You know Going back from those those roots back to today, do you think that drag has become more and more inclusive?
7: Inclusive, yes. I mean, the scenes in the UK, you know, we have diverse people, we just need to put them on the mainstream more, um, and show the UK the deliciously diverse drag that we have to offer. Um, obviously drag race, everyone sort of looks to drag race as like setting the bar, setting the you know, the the foundations for what drag is. But not necessarily. I think they're taking you know, from, from us. Because if we don't create the drag in the slums, in the ends, then there's no drag to go on the telly. So we need to nurture local drag. Otherwise, there's nothing to go on the telly.
0: <laughs> and do you think there are kind of any other key things that we're missing out on aside from actually platforming, you know, talent? Do you think there are burdens that we could lift or things that we could do to be more accessible to, to make the scene more inclusive?
7: Um, That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I... Would love to see more drag kings booked, and you know I preach about it all the time. Um, I think people just need to go out and support local drag as much as possible. I think drag Grace is obviously helping that um, because people are falling in love with drag more in general. It's pushed it more in the in the forefront. But we just, you know, we, I go to when I'm in a, on, on tour uh, recently. Uh, the host mother would ask, you know, whose first drag show is this, and it would be a lot of people every time, which is good because. You know, that, that maybe they saw that show then and they'll go, Well, I want to see more drag. Let's go and see a slightly cheaper show in our local area. So it's it's all good. You know, you can't get an en- I can't get enough of drag. There can never be enough drag, and there can never be enough lesbians. So <laughs> more lesbians. I don't know, my final answer is more lesbians. <laughs> more I look les- forward to seeing yeah. that presentation.
0: In conclusion, <laughs> more lesbians.
1: Yes, exactly. For every question, actually. More more lesbians always sounds like a good thing. But I mean, like you were the first cisgender woman to be on Drag Race. And when you say you always advocate for more kings being booked, there are also very few cis women um, who are queens who get booked for, for gigs like this. Do you think that there just aren't as many cis women queens or are there other barriers sort of preventing them from breaking through?
7: We are out there. There is a small pool of us in the UK, but um, it's kind of like any diversity or like marginalised group in a queer scene. If you don't see yourself represented in the scene or in your local area or on TV, then maybe you don't, you can't feel like you could start. So, you know, the more people, people will start down because they've seen me and gone, oh my God, I can do this. Now, specifically cis women, I always find that we feel like we need to ask permission to do things, which is just mad. It's like inherently built in our person. It's like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Like you could do whatever the bloomin' hell you want to do. Um, you don't need anyone's permission. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, not to be narcissistic, but you know, even my existence on the show will will spur more different gendered people to apply, more non-binary people, and even trans women see themselves reflected in me because if I'm the first like woman identifying person on the uh, UK franchise, so it's like. Yes, we could have more different genders on the show. It's, it's fantastic. So I feel sorry for the uh, casting team this year of the amount of videos people are going to send in, hopefully.
1: Different gendered people. I can't wait. I, I, well, yeah. I applied, what? so we'll see. <laughs> they sent a thing like, if you, want, if you want to apply, like just send us an email. And I was like, hello, please can I apply? So... Yeah. They're going to have a very bad... Vi- well, it'll be a very good video of me badly lip-syncing.
7: <laughs> very extensive, the the, uh, the video application.
0: It's There's lots to go into it. I hope I get to see this first, to be honest, Shivani. If I don't get you to see what? this first, I'm going to be very upset. Yes. I may
1: as well just make it available to the world. Why hide my talents? <laughs> so... Do you think that RuPaul's Drag Race could work for drag kings? That style yeah. of show and competition—is there space for them to to work on that show? Would we need to be celebrating drag kings in a different way with a different show?
7: It's that's a yeah, a, kind of a loaded question because I'd love to see it, but would drag kings even want to be on the same platform as us? Would they want their own thing? Would you know? Some would argue if they had their own competition, people would go, "Wow, oh, I don't want to watch that, I don't, I don't like drag queens." Well, you don't know you don't like drag queens, you've probably just never seen one. Um, it's a whole argument of who knows, because, you know, people would have said that I, as a cis woman, wouldn't have worked on the show. Uh, So many people say to me, oh, my God, you changed my mind so much about, you know, a cis woman in drag. So I think if they had a drag king in front of them as well, they would probably feel exactly the same. You know, oh, because you just fall in love with a person. You know, people are saying, oh, no to the idea of it. But when you actually have someone in front of you who's really, like, good at what they do and really likeable, they'll just fall in love with a drag king. I'm sure they would.
1: I totally agree. I mean, there was Sasha Velour in the US who is incredible. And she was basically a, a... a drag piece of art, like rather than really personifying feminine or masculinity, like mm-hmm. she was sort of taking us back to that club kid era of, of drag, which was incredible mm-hmm. and n- not necessarily being particular glamazonic, which is what RuPaul sort of started the franchise with.
7: Yeah. Well, you know, it's fair enough. That's her show, but you know, even for um, as an example on our season, like charity case, um, is a monster half the time, <laughs> genderless. Like it doesn't necessarily portray like even a feminine character. Sometimes it like, Charity's uh, clown look. That, that's that was incredible. Um, and a, a drag king would fit in very well, I think, in my opinion. But you know, I don't make the decisions. Fortunately, uh, well, maybe one day that would be nice.
1: I well, would, yeah, yeah. Would you judge?
7: Oh, um, no. I, I want to be behind the scenes. I want to be. I want to be. You know.
1: Where the rest of the lesbians are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Building a table, um, putting a light up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you took the last question away from me, which was, <laughs> do you plan on returning to this show next year? But apparently you're going to be as a, as a crew. Yeah, I'm a runner. I'll be making the tea.
1: <laughs> amazing amazing <laughs> thank you so much to victoria for coming to chat to us
0: and if you don't follow what she's up to you simply have to she's at VictoriaScon on twitter and instagram
1: alex do you think i kept my cool around her i'm
0: not quite sure about that to be fair I was i i was very excited as well i think my face turned a different shade of red than it normally does so that's how you know i was quite excited
1: I can't believe I told her I have COVID. She's going to think I don't wash my hands.
0: Uh, no, she's, she's just going to think you didn't sing happy birthday the last time.
1: I hope that's all it is. <laughs> that's just about all we've got time for this week. But fear not, we'll be back next Friday with a brand new episode. Some more clips and some more important
0: discussions. And fingers crossed less COVID. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, or if you've got any comments at all, really, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us on pridecast at virginradio.co.uk.
1: Or you can tweet us at Virgin Radio UK, remembering to use the hashtag Virgin Radio Pride.
0: See you next Friday.
1: Bye.